This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. Well, good morning, River Church. It is good to be back here with you all today. Hey, don't forget, next week, four-year anniversary. Come on, give it up. Yeah. Four years, man. That's amazing. We're excited. We're going to celebrate. We're going to have a party. We're going to have a good time. There's going to be potentially cake. We're going to have uh, some new, t- potentially cake, maybe some new, we got some new t-shirts, got some sweatshirts. It's going to be a lot of fun. Some River Church merchandise we're going to be uh, showing you guys next week. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So tell everybody you know, and let's party, all right? Do we like to party? We like to party. We like, we like to party, right? All right. So we are, thank you for the two people that got that. Um, We're going to be continuing in uh, our walk through the book of Mark today based on the book by the same name as our series called Jesus the King. Uh, and I encourage you to check that book out if you don't have it already. It's awesome. It walks us through the book of Mark. So we're stealing a whole bunch of stuff from this book. And, and uh, we just thought, hey, let's just name it the Jesus the King, all right? So week one, if you were here, uh, Jesus invited us into this thing called the dance. He invited us into this relationship with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He invites us to come into this loving, giving relationship. Last week, Jesus challenged us to follow and to make him the single highest priority of our lives. And he said, it all comes around following me, loving me, serving me. That's, that's where you're going to find life. That's where you're going to find purpose is in coming after me. And then this week, Jesus is going to make a whole bunch of people angry. All right? You guys excited for that? Don't we like making people angry sometimes? No? All right, well, let's read it and jump in. All right, Mark 2, 23 through 28. It says, On the Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to make their way, picking some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David and those who were with him did when he was in need and hungry, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priest. And also he gave some to his companions, and then he told them the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So then the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So this story occurs, and then immediately after this, we're going to read the story in Mark 3, 1 through 6. So this happens next. So he already makes them mad, and then he does this. It says, Jesus entered the synagogue again, and a man, a man was there who had a shriveled hand, and in order to accuse him, they were watching him closely to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. He told the man with the shriveled hand, stand before us, and then he said to them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they were silent, and after looking around at them with anger, he was grieved at the hardness of their hearts and told the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and his hand was restored, and immediately the Pharisees went out and started plotting with the Herodians against him how they might kill him. You notice this. This is only chapter 3 of Mark, and already the Pharisees are plotting and trying to figure out how they can kill Jesus. Sometimes we think it happens later on. They, from the beginning, they wanted to figure out how they could do this. 
And so something we're going to see in Mark and really all throughout the Gospels, if, you, if you're paying attention, this Sabbath thing is really going to be a big deal for the Pharisees, right? This, this idea of Sabbath and how you treat the Sabbath is going to be a big deal. But what we're going to learn about this, uh, the Pharisees is that even though they're making a big deal about the Sabbath, it's not really about the Sabbath, Right? Like you ever have, maybe you come in home and you're hanging out with your spouse or your kids or whatever, and you're just getting irritated with them and you're getting frustrated with them and you're getting mad at them and you're like, ah, just, ah. And what you realize after a little while, you're going, it's not really them. It's my bad day at work, right? Or it's something else that's going on and you're taking it. It's not really about what they're doing. Sometimes it is about what they're doing, right? But a lot of times it's something else that we're transferring onto. And we're going to see what's going on here with the, with the Pharisees. We're going to try to, to figure out what's happening here. And so we haven't talked about this a ton during the first three weeks of the series. Um, but this is a group of people, these Pharisees, who are really kind of after Jesus. He really is constantly doing things that upset him and if we, or that upset them. And if we look back over the last two chapters um, at these Pharisees who were kind of the religious elite of the time, they were the super preachers, right? They're the big shot religious folks of the era. Um, they're constantly having problems with Jesus. In only two chapters and the beginning of a third chapter, We've seen them get upset and complain about Jesus five times. That's 2.5 times a chapter. You guys impressed by my math? Here's the things he's already done that's upset them. He claimed to be God. Makes sense. He claims to be able to forgive sins. They don't like that one. They really get upset at the fact that he hangs out with sinners, like it's a disease that can be spread, Right? They get upset because he and his followers don't fast the right way. And now they get upset because he doesn't honor the Sabbath the way they think he should. Don't they just sound like really fun people to hang out with? Yeah. Some of you are like, I know people like that. Some of us are people like that, right? <laughs> like, not fun people. So what's the deal with these guys, right? What, what, what's, the deal? What, what, what's the deal with the Sabbath? Like, why is, why is this Sabbath idea such a, a big problem. And, and to understand that, we kind of need to understand what the Sabbath was intended to be. It's the fourth commandment, right, in the, the Ten Commandments. And it was this special sign, right? You honor the Sabbath, keep it holy. And it was supposed to be this special sign between Israel and God that, that the Jewish people would abstain from work on the Sabbath day. And the idea was God rested on the seventh day. So because God rested on this day, we're going to honor the Sabbath. We're going to honor God by resting on the Sabbath day. And, and they, their idea of the Sabbath Sabbath was sunset Friday through sunset Saturday. Our Sabbath is today. Ours is Sunday, right? And that was moved. After Jesus died and, and raised from the dead, the Sabbath day was moved to Sunday, right? And so God says, honor the Sabbath, keep it holy. And so the Jewish people, they want to do that. But the problem is when God says, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy, there wasn't like a really great, perfect, exact example of how they were supposed to do that. Right? There wasn't a great list of rules that said, this is the perfect way you're supposed to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Right? And so when there's not a perfect list of rules that's going to tell you exactly how you do it, leave it up to the super religious elite to figure out the rules. Right? And so the Pharisees, they say, we're going to give you guys a whole bunch of great rules that's going to tell you exactly how to do the Sabbath the right way. And so they come up with these 39 different things that you could do or could not do in order to honor the Sabbath. It included a list of like, you can't walk more than 1,999 steps on the Sabbath day. You know why? Because 2,000 steps is traveling. 
They said you couldn't travel on the Sabbath day, so they figured out how many steps is not traveling. 1,000, did you know that? So get out your Fitbits, get out your watch. Don't hit that 2,000 because then you're going to hell, right? Like that was it, right? (laughs) Like that one step. No, it was an accident. I tripped, right? Fuck, (sighs) hell forever, right? Okay, sorry, I'm done. Another one was that you couldn't farm on the Sabbath. So reaping or, or picking grain, as the disciples were picking grain to eat, that's farming. What are you doing? You can't pick that grain to eat. That's farming. That's work. You can't work on the Sabbath. And then the icing on the cake. So the Jesus' disciples, they've already, they're traveling on the Sabbath. They're walking. Oh, my goodness. They're picking grain so they can eat. And then the icing on the cake, Jesus has the audacity to heal someone on the Sabbath. What was he thinking? Like, kid you not, forbidden. Like, it's cool to heal people, just don't do it on God's day, right? Don't do it on God's day. Like, it's, it's we're going to honor the Sabbath, we're going to keep it holy, so don't you dare heal somebody, Jesus. It's for worship, it's for joy. None of that healing stuff. Which is ironic, right? Because what could bring joy and worship than seeing somebody get healed, amen? Amen. Talk about missing the point. That's like telling somebody, you can go to church on Sunday, but don't you dare get saved because that's work. They had these rules that they had made so that they could honor God, but by making up their rules, they completely missed God and the rules. And it's interesting because we're going to read, read that story with 3, 1 through 6 in just a second. And what we're going to see is it's like Jesus is frustrated. Like you see his frustration and sadness and disappointment disappointment. Like, let's, let, let's read it. Mark 3, 1 through 6 says, Jesus entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a shriveled hand. And in order to accuse him, they were watching him closely to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. So these Pharisees, they're looking for a reason to get upset. They're looking for a reason to get mad. And so he says, he told the man with the shriveled hand, stand before us. And then he said to them, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath, evil to save a life or kill? And like, we're all going, the answer's obvious, people. Right? Amen? The answer is obvious, people. Don't help anybody on the Sabbath. That would be awful. So Jesus asked them this question. It says, but they were silent. And after looking around at them with anger, he was, do you see that? He was grieved by the hardness of their hearts and told the man, stretch out your, man, your hand. So he stretched it out and the hand was restored. And immediately the Pharisees went out and they were plotting to kill him. Jesus is heartbroken by the fact that they're missing the point. And you say, why is it that they, why is it that they're missing Jesus? Like, 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 have you ever missed a great friendship or a great opportunity in your life? You ever missed, like you had a a big moment, a big opportunity, a big chance, like something great you could have been a part of or a relationship you could have had and you just missed it because you weren't paying attention? I have. I, I was actually talking to a friend uh, last week, and he was telling me a story about when he was uh, when he was younger. He said, "When I first started out working, he said I I had these buddies who were in the, my company, and they were kept encouraging me to purchase this stock. And it was the company's stock. And he said, every, they just put a little bit of your paycheck in it.' He said every every month they just put a little bit of their paycheck in, a little bit of their paycheck in. And this was like the '80s, a little bit of the paycheck, a little bit. And you guys probably know where this is going, right? A little bit, a little bit. And he was like, "No, I don't have the money for that. I don't have the time for that. It's crazy. I don't believe in the stock market. It's a voodoo, right?" And so 
Sure enough, the company gets bought out by this enormous company. Stock skyrockets. These two buddies are multimillionaires overnight. Next day, they come into work. Here's the keys. See ya. You know what my buddy does? He still works for the same company. (laughs) That hurts, right? You talk about missing an opportunity. But I would say that's still not as big of a deal as missing Jesus. The Pharisees are missing Jesus. Why? Because the Pharisees are living a religion. They're not living the good news. You remember last week we talked about the good news or the gospel. And the good news, the gospel is this idea. It's this news that comes in. It's this thing that shapes your life and changes your life for the good. And God had given them the good news. God had given them the gospel. And they were missing it because they had made it into this religion. God had given them this wonderful thing called the Sabbath, and they took this beautiful idea of the Sabbath and turned it into a burden. To see someone healed or to eat food with friends and hang out with good friends and worship God, to experience the Sabbath, these are good things. But instead, they had made it a bunch of rules that they had to follow to make sure they weren't doing it wrong so that they could get into the club. They were missing the fact and the idea that the Sabbath was something that was to bring restoration and life and healing. And they had made it a list of rules they had to obey so that they didn't get it wrong. Not something to be enjoyed. The Pharisees' idea was that if there's a God, you have to, and in order to have a relationship with him, and by the way, this is what most, most religions in the world, this is their idea of God, is that in order to have a relationship with the God or the creator, there's this legalistic code of conduct that you have to follow the exact same, the exact right way, and if you mess it up, then God's not going to let you in the club. So it becomes a religion that's based on your actions. You're doing it perfect. You're not messing it up so that God allows you in his little club. This idea is radically different in the gospel. The gospel news is I'm accepted by Jesus. I'm loved by Jesus. I'm saved by Jesus. My sins are forgiven by Jesus. Therefore, I obey Jesus, serve Jesus, glorify Jesus, love Jesus. You understand the difference? One is me. I have to do it. I have to earn it. I have to achieve it. I have to be okay. The other is Jesus forgave our sins by his death and resurrection on the cross. If we would come to him, ask for forgiveness, and give our lives to him, then he could change us, save us, heal us, and our lives are forever changed. Amen? In religion, the purpose is obeying to assure that you're okay with God, that, that he's not mad at you. And as a result, Sabbath or loving other people becomes more about the details. What do I have to do to get it exactly right so I can stay it in the club, right? And when we do that, we miss the spirit of the command. The Sabbath, the word Sabbath means deep rest. The word Sabbath means deep peace. It's a near synonym for shalom, which means a state of wholeness. That's very different than like, count your steps on the Fitbit so you don't hit 2,000, right? That's a very different idea, right? That, that's, that's, that's a very different ideal than don't you dare help somebody. Don't you dare heal someone. Sabbath is rest, restoration, healing. It's not, don't you take another step, right? 1999, don't you hit two. Some are like, man, I, I, man, I hit 2,000 steps like before 9 o'clock this morning. I would have been in trouble. Actually, that sounds like a pretty good idea. Katie, sorry. I can't do anything today. <laughs> I'm on one nine nine nine. Can't move. Literally cannot move. I don't want to, right? Lightning will come, right? What's funny is this is Jesus' idea. This is what he's trying to help him. And yet they're still arguing with him. We go back to verse 27 there. He says, then he told him, the Sabbath was made for man, not man 
for the Sabbath. So then the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. He's trying to, he's trying to get through their heads these two ideas. One, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. And two, the point of the Sabbath is for you, not the other way around, right? He's saying healing, restoration isn't in counting your steps. Healing and restoration and rest is in me. It's in Jesus. He's saying, I am the source of that deep rest that you need. He's come to give us rest. He's come to give us recovery. And the Sabbath rest is a taste of the divine rest that we find in Jesus. When he says Sabbath was made for man, what he's saying is God has created something good for you, something for you to enjoy that will give you life. And rest, not a burden on your shoulders that you have to do it perfectly so you don't get kicked out of the club. He calls us to Sabbath, meaning a physical, a mental rest, a time to take off of work, a time to recover physically and spiritually. Doesn't that sound good? It's funny because this actually goes deeper than just taking Sundays off. It goes all the way back to Genesis 1 where God creates the world. He looks at his creation. He goes, it is good. It is finished. And he rests. You go, well, why, why, did, why did he rest? Do you think God, was, was he tired? Did he need the rest? No, he didn't. God doesn't get tired. I feel like sometimes he might get tired of me, but, <laughs> but actually physically tired, no. You know how he rested? Is that God calling? (laughs) Did I get it wrong? (laughs) Oh, man, I stood up. Sorry. Okay, I'm sorry, Jesus. All right. You know, one reason to rest is because we're tired. Another reason to rest is because we're satisfied. One reason to rest is because we're tired. Another reason to rest is because we're satisfied. God rested because he looked at his creation and he said, it is good. I love it. I am satisfied. I'm going to step back and I'm going to enjoy it. And so in Sabbath rest, it is satisfaction. It is restoration. It's enjoying our work. It's enjoying our lives. It's enjoying what we've been given. You know, the problem, though, is that some of us, we work because we need to prove ourselves. We work because it's where we find our meaning. It's where we find our value. It's where we find uh, our, our, our purpose, right? And, and, and really, sometimes we work even in religion because we're trying to convince God, the people around us, and at the end of the day, even ourselves, that we're good and worthy and enough. But the truth is, you will never find that in those things. It's only in Jesus when we come to rest in him, we understand that he says you are valued. He says you are loved. He says you are enough. And in creation, God looked at it, said it is good, it is finished, and he rested. And at the cross of Jesus Christ, God looks at it and says it is finished, and now we can rest in what he has done for us. That deep voice in you that says you're not good enough, you're not worthy of love, you're trash. Jesus, Jesus' death and resurrection says, come into a relationship with me. Let me tell you the truth that you are valued, you are accepted, you are loved. And in that, we find rest and satisfaction. I just finished reading a book last week. I would recommend it very highly. Um, it's called Shoe Dog. It's about the founder of Nike. It was, it was really good. And uh, as I was reading it, there was a constant book. And that theme was Phil Knight, this guy who's creating this incredible 
multi-billion dollar company the whole way through always felt worthless, always felt he had something to prove, always felt like he was had no value. And so in that, it drove him to build and build and build this company. He's very humble talking about it. So what's, here's what's interesting, though, is at the end of the day, he builds this, I mean, overnight, he's worth $174 million. Can I get an amen? How awesome would that be, right? right? What's funny is at the end of the book, he kind of talks about meeting different people, and he talks about an interaction he has with Bill Gates. So he comes, he meets Bill Gates, and his, his, what he writes in the book isn't, we've made it, Bill, isn't it great to hang out and be buddies? His reaction was, I still feel worthless. I still don't feel like I'm enough. Dude, if I was worth $174 million, the River Church would still exist, but we'd be on an island somewhere, right? Like this, this service will be taking place on a beach, right? And it might be just me. Like y'all could come, but I, life would be good, right? And yet this man who creates this incredible company says, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. We laugh at that, but we do the exact same thing, don't we? So our our natural response, even in our relationship with God, is work, 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 earn it, earn it, earn it. Compare myself to the next Christian so I feel like I'm good enough, right? I'm a little bit better than him, so he's, he's, I don't think he's going to hell, so I must be good, right? Right? Only take 1,999 steps. And yet Jesus says, rest in me. I am enough for you. Follow because you love me, because it is a joy, because it is a privilege, not because, oh, I got to do it to prove it. So quick recap here. Jesus does some really awesome stuff on the Sabbath. People get upset. Jesus points out the difference between religion and the gospel, a relationship with God. For example, that the Sabbath is for rest. And then they plot to kill him. Check it out. (laughs) Verse six, all that happens, it ends. And it says, immediately the Pharisees went out and started plotting with the Herodians against him, how they might kill him. It's a really interesting response, isn't it? So if the Pharisees are the, kind of the religious elite of the time, they're the, the super Christians, if you will, um, the Herodians are the exact opposite of that. These guys are the supporters of King Herod, who was a terrible person. If you remember in week, I think it was last week we talked about it briefly, he has John the Baptist killed because John the Baptist calls him out on his sin of incest, right? So great guy, right? Awesome guy. And uh, the Herodians kind of, they represented this idea of Roman power, Roman oppression, Greek philosophy, Greek views on sex and Greek views on uh, just more moral relativity and that really this idea that there's no truth and it's all about seeking your own truth. And so uh, if the Pharisees approach to God was you must do good and be perfect to get to God, the Herodians approach was the exact opposite. Theirs was you decide what's right and wrong, right? You're kind of your own savior, right? Be, be open-minded. There is no truth. And this kind of develops into this we're our own God complex, right? And so the Israelites and the Herodians, they did not get along. They had opposite values, like opposite ends of the moral spectrum, the political spectrum, the social spectrum. Like they, they hated each other, okay? They, they hated each other. They, they were the, the, they got one guy, one group is the super liberals of the time. One group is the super conservatives of the time. And they get together great now, of course, right? But back then they didn't get along so well. Can you believe it? That was a joke. And so you have these two groups that are opposed to each other, who hate each other, and yet Jesus brings them together to kill him. 
What's ironic is both sides don't realize <laughs> that they both need Jesus. And both sides, the Herodians, the super, super, super liberals, and the, the Pharisees, the super, super, super conservative group here, they're both extremely offended by Jesus. And I'm not talking about current politics, but of, the, of that day, that's who they were. They both needed Jesus, and they were both offended by Jesus. You have one group that says work, deserve, earn it, earn it, attain God's love, deserve God's love, deserve God's affection. And then another group that says there is no truth. Enjoy every pleasure with abandon because that's all there is. There's no way to God but through you and your own soul seeking and soul searching. It's very hippie-ish. And Jesus offends both of these groups when he says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. You say, why? This, this idea, this I am phrase is a phrase that Jesus constantly uses in the book of Mark and really throughout the gospels. And where this comes from is in the Old Testament when Moses comes to God and he asks God, he says, what's your name? What should I call you? What should I tell the people, the person that's sending me their name is? And God just responds with this, if Exodus three fourteen, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. So when Jesus uses this term, what he's effectively doing is calling himself God. And it's funny because there's a lot of people out there that will tell you Jesus never claimed to be God in the Bible. But if you read it closely, if you pay attention, he claims to be God all the time. He says things like, God is the Sabbath. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life. When he's saying that, he's saying, God is the good shepherd. God is the way, the truth, and the life. God is the bread of life, and I am God. And this greatly offends both groups. You know why it offends them? Because you got the religious Pharisees, and when he says, I am God, I am the Sabbath, I am the way, the truth, and the life, what he's saying is your false religious stuff, you're walking 1,999 steps on the Sabbath, all this junk that you're doing to try to earn your way into the club so that you can feel valued because you earned your way in the club is not going to work because I am the Sabbath. I am rest. I am the way to God. It's through me. Come through me. Find your salvation. Find your hope. Find your rest in me, following me. I offer it freely, but you've got to come through me. And then you have the Herodians who are saying this idea of Jesus' claim of I am God. I am the truth. I am life. It means to the Herodians there is truth or a claim for actual truth, actual right and wrong. It means a claim where Jesus says, if you're seeking truth, if you want to find life, if you want to find God, it's through me. It's not you. It's not your own truth that you come up with. It's through me. You have to come through me and you have to do it my way. It's an absolute assault on their belief system of moral relativity and seeking this idea of pleasure and no one can tell you right and wrong and you're your own guy. It's, it's an assault on their beliefs. And it's so offensive to both sides that they both want to kill him. It's crazy, isn't it? What's kind of interesting, though, is that both of these philosophies still exist today, don't they? You're going, hey, man, they do. Stinking hippies. Crazy liberals. I would tell you they both exist in the church today sometimes. You have the one side... 
that says, I've got to earn it. I've got to come in and deserve it. I've got to go to church five times a month, even when there's only four weeks, right? I got to do my this the right way, and I got to do this the right way. And And none of it's actually about Jesus. It's about checking off boxes so that you get in the club. And Jesus says, you literally can't do it on your own. It is only through him. He says, you can't earn it. Come through me and then follow because it is a joy to follow. It's, isn't that interesting when you take off the, the burden of earning it where you have to do it the right way or you can't get it, it, it pulls this burden off of you and then following becomes a joy and a pleasure instead. Do you understand? It, 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 it's, it's this amazing thing that happens. And then there's the other side that says, man, I love church, I love Jesus, and I love his teachings, but don't actually tell me that there's a right and wrong. Don't, don't actually tell me that I have to follow the Bible and obey the Bible and that, that there's actual truth, like I have my own truth. Yeah, you're crazy. <laughs> don't tell me what the Bible says. I, I have my own ideas. Like I like, I like my, having my own truth. And Jesus says, I am the truth. Follow me. Come through me. Devote your life to me. It's interesting because both sides miss Jesus and both sides are offended by Jesus. <laughs> what I would say to us this morning is that if you want real Sabbath, if you want real rest, we have to come to the one who is rest. Amen? We have to come to the one who is truth. Jesus says, rest in me, trust in me, find your salvation in me. And then follow because you love me, because I'm changing your life, because it is joy. If you feel like you're in this place today and you feel like I resonate a little bit with that Pharisee idea, let me encourage you this morning. You can lay that down and you can find your worth and your value, not in what you attain or how well you do your Christian checklists, but in Jesus alone. And then following becomes a joy and a privilege and life. And maybe you're in this space today and you're like, I'm kind of that Herodian guy. I don't really like this idea of truth. Jesus says to you this morning, accept that I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you like the idea of Jesus, we have to understand that his teachings are based on the idea and only work because of his claim that he is God. So accept his authority over your life. Not in one area, not in the areas you like, but over all areas of your life. Accept his authority. Accept that he is the truth. Let it comfort you. Let it guide you. And let you find him in it this morning. Amen? I'm going to pray for us in a second. And we're going to have communion available. And what we'll do is we'll have communion down here and down here. And and the band's going to come and play. We're going to sing some songs, and whenever you would like, you don't have to. If you would like, you can come down, get communion, take it back to your seat, worship Jesus, pray, take communion. Remember what he's done for you on the cross. Because we get to proclaim these truths today, this idea of breaking the the Pharisee uh, chains and breaking the Herodian chains. We We get to talk about that and celebrate that today because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so I would encourage you as we worship, worship him for that. And if you're in here today and you're going, I need that rest, ask him for it. 
You got it. And then rest in him. So I'm going to ask you to do this. You stand with me this morning and I'm going to pray. Let's do this. I, I don't do this often, but I think it's important today. I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads. And I'm not going to make anybody come up to the front or embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. And so this morning, if this idea of the Pharisee or the Herodian or the idea of needing rest, if that's you this morning, I want to encourage you right now, just lift your hand up, raise your hand up. I want to pray for you. If you need rest in this place today, lift your hands. I'm going to pray for you right now. God, I love you. Thank you that you are the Lord of the Sabbath, God that you are the king of kings and this day, this Sabbath idea is a picture of what you're gonna do for us in eternity and what this means to rest in you and find value in you. God, I pray that you bring rest and peace in this place today, God. I pray that everyone who raised their hands and those of us who are too chicken to raise our hands, God, that you would give us rest, that you would give us peace, that you would give us life, God, that we would stop trying to find it in work, 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 that we stop trying to find it in ourselves, but that we would find it in you and that you would give it abundantly, Jesus. I pray that you would do that in my own life today, God, that I'd find my value in you, God. Lord, we love you, God. We're going to worship you this morning, God. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your resurrection. Thank you for salvation, Jesus. Lord, we love you and we worship you today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.